Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me once again on this remarkably hot day. I hope it wasn't as hot where you are as it is here. Holy cow, it was hot. The thermometer in the car was 101 when I left to pick up Andy from work today. And oh my goodness, I would believe it. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Even so, we went and tried to sit and watch Andy skate for a little while and me and Dot were just dying. I was trying to convince her to drink water out of my hand because that was what I had and she could not figure out. She kept trying to go straight in the top of the bottle instead of just taking it from my hand like a smart dog would. I'm sorry, you're not very smart, Dot. Oh, well. (laughs) What are we going to do? She did really well at the skate park. She didn't even bark at anyone. She went right up to a little girl and made friends with her, which was really fun. Um, I'm going to start tonight's show with a shock piece of news that I know you guys aren't going to believe. It's from the science section of the Daily Mail, which I love. Let's talk about twalking. The dangers of twalking. People who text and walk at the same time are more likely to suffer a serious fall. Who is shocked by this besides not anyone in the entire world? Even when test subjects tried to be cautious, texting and walking increased falls. Subjects' texting speed and accuracy dropped by half on moderate-risk walks. Yeah, no kidding. And then we have this as well, which I don't think anyone will be surprised by either. Texting while driving slows reaction times more than drinking or drugs. Also not surprising. I know it's very, very tempting to do this. I gotta position myself right. There we go. I'm just sitting however is comfortable instead of how I'm supposed to be sitting. Nothing's comfortable anymore. I'm complaining about everything. I've reached that point. Poor Andy. (laughs) Study shows texting while driving delays reaction times by 37%. Wow. In contrast, drinking to the legal limit slows drivers' reactions by 13%. Jeez! But speaking on handheld telephone remains the most dangerous activity. See, that surprised me, okay? I would not have believed that talking on a handheld phone would be more dangerous than driving once you've drunk to the legal limit or texting while driving. That's a little bit crazy to me because I've always just kind of assumed... Talking on the phone is a lot like talking to somebody else in person. And as we, I think we all assume, talking to another person in the car is really not a distraction if you're driving. Hello, everyone. Hello, Patrice. Hello, Texas Rangers. Hello, Unheil Snipe, Psycho Clown, Serenko. Appreciate it. Kyle Fan says, that time of the month, got it. Unless you're willing to call the last eight months of my life that time of the month, then no, this is not, in fact, that time of the month. Although I suppose this could be compared to some degree to that in the same kind of uh, wavelength as ridiculous cramping, discomfort, all this other stuff that women put up with. This is... This is the next step up from that time of the month. This is the this is the champion's version of that. It's great, let me tell you. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> All the extra blood you're creating is just causing more swelling. It's ridiculous. Here's how our reactions slow. Here's the drink drive limit, 13%. High on cannabis. Interesting. I could see that slowing you down. This is something I've never understood. I have heard people argue with me. They're like, oh, cannabis doesn't affect how you drive. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding, dude? Cannabis affects everything you do. It makes you so much slower. All you want to do is sleep often if you do too much. Then we have handheld phone, hands-free phone, 27%. 
texting is 37% and then a handheld phone is 46%. So be careful out there, guys. It's dangerous. And even even if it's not you on the handheld phone or you texting while you're driving, there's probably somebody out there right now who is doing that exact same thing. Kyle says, LOL, JK. Yeah, it's like a step up from that. That is really not fun in the first place, but this is really something special. Greg says, hey, Liz. Hey, Greg. Um, Andy says, let's be honest, 0.08 is too a little too low a threshold for drunk driving. I don't know. I don't know what the right threshold is. I just know that people should be careful and they should recognize how things affect them, including stuff like cannabis and probably stuff like CBD as well. Although, yeah, I don't think CBD is anywhere near as big an issue as stuff like THC, including in gummies and stuff like that. Hands-free calling is worse than weed. Yeah, that's what this reaction thing said. Uh, 27% versus 21% high on cannabis. I'm assuming, of course, they're talking about THC and not the CBD. Andy says, uh, Greg says, I agree with Andy. I don't know what the legal limit should be. All I know is that people, I have seen people online gloat about safely driving while incredibly inebriated. And I'm just like, yo, the problem isn't necessarily even that you're going to be hurt. It's that you're going to kill somebody else. And I think at the end of the day, you owe it to the people who have to live around you to kind of keep them safe. JJR would be a nice graph if they included sleep deprivation as well. That's a great point because that can be even more dangerous, I think, than drinking too. In fact, I think I've heard that. I don't know. We need to send out a warning to drivers that the police forces will have a dedicated crackdown. They need to pull over every single driver seen with a phone. Yes, I I am inclined to agree with that. This is such a huge distraction for us. It's so easy to be distracted. Yeah, Serenko says, I've driven sleep deprived. Do not recommend. I have too. It's terrifying. And when you forget what you've been doing for the past three minutes, like you completely zone out, that's dangerous stuff. That's really dangerous. Anything can happen in that time. And if you're not in the right mental state, you shouldn't be behind the wheel of the car. Now, sometimes life gets in the way. Like most recently, we were driving everything down from Boston, not once, but twice, all the way from Boston, almost down to the end of Florida. That's a 20 plus hour drive. Exhausting drive. And then there are times in the middle of the night where you get very, very tired I can't recommend it. So Keenan says being drowsy is similar to being drunk. So I'm told, speaking of drinking, I'm going to take a sip of coffee because today I am dying. So join me in a Scott Adams sip because, oh, holy cow, I'm going to die without it. Lori Lemon says, I think I fell asleep driving home from Florida. Yeah, be careful. Seriously, do be aware of what your body is telling you. This microphone is just floating up again. I need Andy to fix it. All right, guys, let's talk about our favorite punching bag, Joe Biden. Biden rips reporter Peter Ducey's, quote, lousy question about speaker calls with Hunter. So he gets really, really angry about being questioned about these phone calls because he feels guilty. This is something that I've noticed with people in general is that when they feel guilty, instead of processing that guilt and dealing with it like an adult, like a normal, well-adjusted human being, instead what they do is get mad about it and pretend it's not happening. Greg says, I hate hearing from someone that they drive better with alcohol in my system than sober. I have heard that as well. Absolutely crazy. You are putting other people at risk. At that point, it's not even about you. You need to think about the other people who have to be on the road with you. You you at least have the privilege of knowing that you're drunk. The people around you do not. 
President Biden insisted Wednesday that he never talked business with anybody after his son Hunter's former business partner, Devin Archer, told Congress last week that the elder Biden was on speakerphone during roughly 20 business meetings in addition to many in-person meetings. Yeah, I mean, duh. Is anyone surprised by this? Jeez. There's testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them talking business, Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey told Biden after a wind power event in New Mexico. I never talked business with anybody. I knew you'd have a lousy question, Biden scoffed. Why is that a lousy question, Ducey asked. Because it's not true, the president replied as he walked away. Asking a question is not a truth statement. Inquiring after the truth is simply that, an inquiry after the truth. It's neither true nor false. Yeah, there's a reason. We allow reporters to ask questions of our politicians. It was the first time Biden had commented on Archer's July 31st deposition. July 31st. July 31st. Deposition to the House Oversight Committee, which tied him more closely to his son's international business dealings as House Republicans led by Speaker Kevin McCarthy move closer to launching an impeachment inquiry. Please, 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 please come soon. I really want this to happen. In addition to revealing that Joe Biden often spoke on the phone with his son's partners from the countries where he held sway as vice president, where he, yeah, when he held sway as vice president, Archer revealed that Joe Biden attended two separate dinners at Washington Cafe Milano in 2014 and 2015 with his son's Russian, Kazakhstani, and Ukrainian patrons rather than one, as previously reported. And we are going to touch on those people, too, because that's a very interesting story as well. Here is Peter going toe-to-toe with the decrepit Joe Biden. Archer said that in December 2015, Hunter stepped away from a dinner in Dubai to call his father. The then second son was joined by Mykola Zlochevsky, the Ukrainian oligarch whose natural gas company Burisma Holdings paid Hunter a million dollars per year to sit on the board and Burisma advisor Vadim Pozharsky, P-O-Z-H-A-R-S-K-Y-I, whom Joe Biden had met at Cafe Milano. Mm-hmm. That call is potentially significant due to an FBI informant's claim that Zlochevsky claimed in 2016 that he was coerced into paying $10 million in bribes to Joe and Hunter Biden in order to secure Joe's help uh, pushing for the firing of Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin, who was ousted in March 2016. And again, we have seen the video of Joe Biden talking about how son of a beep that guy got fired. We know how this works. We watched Joe Biden do it. He talked about it openly. Greg says it wasn't an approved question. Yes, exactly. Martin says, greetings, my excellent friends. Greeting, m- greetings, Martin. Thank you for joining us. Andy says, please, please, please retwerk slids. Oh my gosh. What are we retwerking today? There's nothing in the news I want to talk about. What is some good or funny news you've heard today? Yes. Send me your stories under this tweet because the news today is both dull and somewhat depressing, but we will make it through for sure one way or the other. Joe Biden has tried to laugh off the allegations asking in June, where's the money? That's right. This is his argument. In fact, I want to show you guys something really darn interesting from, oh, who's the... 
Who is this source? Okay, I, I tweeted bruh and I posted this gif because oh, holy cow. This is what Politico tweeted out. GOP House Oversight Chair James Comer rolled out a new memo identifying over $20 million in payments from entities or individuals in Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan to Biden family members. But the memo doesn't show a direct payment to Joe Biden. Can you guys spot the problem here? This makes my head want to explode. It really does. We're not in kindergarten, guys. We know that the memo doesn't have to show a direct payment to Joe effing Biden. That is his middle name, by the way. I've decided. Roll with it. It doesn't have to show a direct payment. It absolutely has doesn't have to have anything to do with Joe Biden. In fact, the further removed it is from Joe Biden, I think the safer it is to say that Joe Biden's sticky little fingers are all over it. Because when you're laundering influence and when you're peddling influence, especially with um, the second son's the second son and the the, uh, the vice president, you are of course never going to let the two worlds collide. That's how money laundering works. And it's crazy that Politico really thought that people would be stupid enough to fall for this. And I think this is why they deleted it. As you can see here at the bottom, this post has been deleted. Yeah, it sure has. I wonder why. Let me see what anybody's saying about this. That means Biden had nothing to do with it and didn't benefit. So whatever that could this mean? Yeah, what could this happen? What could this mean? Here's somebody cynical. At this point, nothing's going to happen. The GOP, McCarthy and crew will act like they're about to do something but never commit. With how many judges are outright leftists, I feel like we're past the point of no return. I hope to God someone proves me wrong. Well, me too. Sometimes I'm struck by this kind of cynicism and I'm just like, hey, at the end of the day, you know what? I really hope that I'm wrong. Just like I really, really, really hope that I'm wrong about the 2024 election. It feels like right now I'm not going to be proven wrong, unfortunately, but you never know. Hope springs eternal. Archer told the Oversight Committee in a transcribed interview that Hunter Biden would sometimes make it apparent that he spoke to his dad and sometimes he put him on speaker. Joe Biden wouldn't directly talk business on the phone, Archer said, but would demonstrate his son's ability to reach him when needed. The president would ask, how's the weather? How's the fishing? How's the whatever it may be, whatever. But, you know, it was very, you know, casual conversations. Yes. Again, this is how influence peddling goes. You don't get Joe Biden on the phone and say, hey, dad, can you show these guys that you're really important and push your influence to make this stuff happen? And then he says, hey, guys, I'm actually Joe Biden. I'm super important. I can pull all sorts of strings with Obama because I'm the vice president. So you better go with whatever my son says he wants to do. That's not how it works. OK, we don't live in kindergarten. We aren't first graders. It's very, very subtle. We know how this works. The Democrats are playing fools because they are pretending that, of course, this means that Joe had nothing to do with it. This has been their argument this whole time, which is patently crazy to me. They genuinely think that we are all really, really dumb. However, Archer said that the substance of Joe Biden's remarks were unimportant because his mere presence demonstrated that there was a brand being delivered. That's right. The Biden brand. Very, very important. That is the influence, is the fact that it's a Biden on the other end of the call. Holy cow. (sighs) Joe Biden shouldn't be peddling influence because he'll fall off a bike again. Agreed. I agree for sure. 
A hunter held a 10% stake in BHR until at least 2021, and neither he nor the White House have provided transparency into the terms of his alleged divestment from the company. Mm Mm-hmm. Shocking. Archer said he also recalled Hunter Biden putting his dad on speakerphone during a dinner meeting with a French company in Paris from 2011. Archer told Carlson it was categorically false to say that Joe Biden had no role in his son's dealings. He was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. I mean, you found the letter that illustrates that he knew me. That's right. And we looked at that the other day. Misspellings or typos and all. I think that Joe Biden misspelled Archer's name. I think he might have said Mr. Devin with an I when it's Devin with an O after the, after all. Doesn't matter. He wrote a thank you note directly to Devin Archer. I really don't know what more proof you need. But we know, and I understand, Democrats have to pretend this isn't happening because this is their guy. This is the guy they installed in office. It's so important to them that he continue to be viewed as legitimate. It's not going to work. All right, here we have Biden touting Bidenomics in New Mexico. There's that funky New Mexico flag. Guys, this stuff is crazy. Ongoing. Sirenko says, oh yeah, that reminds me. Diane Feinstein tripped her fall, tripped or whatever today. Yes, I have worked with people like Diane Feinstein. I looked it up today. She is 90 years old, you guys. Nine zero. She's older than my grandmother was when she died. She was older. She's older than either of my grandmothers were when they passed away. And, uh, yeah, she's tripping. She's falling. She's going to start breaking bones and it's not going to be good. They should just let her retire, but they won't. And I don't know why they won't because we all know that not Newsom would be able to replace her if she retired now, but she's going to pull an RBG and it's not going to work. So, Speaking of Biden being in New Mexico, Republicans are tearing into him for going to Arizona and New Mexico and avoiding the border during a hearing with no Democrats. Mm -hmm. The president's stop in Arizona Tuesday coincided with a border field hearing put on by Republicans in the same state. You cannot know what's going on at the southern border unless you've been here and talked to the people who live it, said Representative Grothman. President Joe Biden is under fire from Republicans for avoiding the southern border while on official travel this week to the border states Arizona and New Mexico. The president's stop in Arizona Tuesday coincided with a border field hearing. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry guys. The border field hearing put on by House Oversight Committee Republicans in the same state in Cochise County. GOP lawmakers slammed their Democratic colleagues for refusing to participate and also criticized the administration's inaction on the border crisis. Months after the Biden administration brought in new immigration policies, they said they would reduce the number of migrant crossings. Last month, the surge saw signs of returning. Representative Glenn Grothman, Republican of Wisconsin, opened the hearing by stating that none of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle have decided to join us today, despite an open invitation to participate. You can't know what's going on at the southern border unless you've been here and talked to the people who live it, he said. Yeah, so here is Joe Biden at the Grand Canyon, under fire for avoiding the southern border. Yep. Migrants tried to cross the border between Mexico and Eagle Pass, Texas, on August 4th, 2023. Here we have from Congressman Chuck Edwards. While POTUS is also currently in Arizona, securing our border is once again at the bottom of his priorities. It remains at the top of mine. I want to see... Let's see if I can find this tweet. I think from Julie Julio Rojas. Uh, let me see if I can look it up. It's showing signs of what's going on at. Yeah, Rosas. Yeah, 
Okay, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Oh my. <laughs> Someone says, you obviously are not at the border very much. Your pie hole is open to Julio, who basically lives on the southern border of the U.S. Whole, holy cow. I don't recall you testifying before Congress. Yeah, here's your sign. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, that's a little aside. We appreciate Julio's work. It's very important. Oh, I want to find this. Yeah, okay. Julio says, I didn't see Democrats rush down to Eagle Pass last year when before the buoys, migrants were drowning almost every day. So there are Democrats on the southern border who are seriously taking issue with the fact that Governor Abbott is putting orange buoys in the water to prevent people from swimming across the Rio Grande. Migrants are drowning almost every day. Democrats only care about the border crisis when there are attempts to stop and deter illegal immigration. Yeah, I constantly, I feel like I constantly say this. I'll never forget where I was when I realized why Democrats were okay with illegal migration. They're okay with illegal migration because they truly believe that the people who cross the southern border of the U.S. are going to vote for them. They absolutely are beyond hope. They're reprehensible in every way. From Bill Malugan, who also extensively covers the border. If you guys aren't following Julio uh, and Bill, you should do so now. Julio is Julio, Julio underscore Rosas, I think 11. Let me see what it is. Yeah, Julio underscore Rosas 11. He's great. He's a former Marine. I think he's still in, uh, um, in the reserves. Bill Malugan, Bill, B-I-L-L, Malugan, M-E-L-U-G-I-N underscore he works with Fox and he works out of LA. Very, very cool stuff that he does. Per law enforcement source, a group of suspected cartel gunmen armed with rifles and body armor were seen on cameras crossing illegally into the front in Texas area in the RGV Saturday night. Elite Border Patrol BORTAC agents were called out and searched area but found nobody. So, these guys are now wandering around in the interior of the United States because of Joe Biden's policy at the southern border, to which I just have to say, I'm just so not surprised by this at all. But it's dangerous. But of course, you know, it's not dangerous to Joe Biden. Joe Biden lives behind gates. He lives in what's functionally a gated community. should be a retirement community at this point. Um, the people who are okay with this and signing off on this never have to see the fallout. Nancy Pelosi doesn't have to see the fallout. None of these Democrats do. My goodness. Ray says p- pronounced Malugan. Yes, that's correct. Malugan. Yes, these are heavily armed cartel members. That is so exciting. Really exciting. Oh, yeah. Modesto B's editorial board winds out the 7-Eleven clerks who bur- beat the shoplifter after he threatened their lives. Went too far because street justice may be popular but has no place in a society governed by the rule of law. Imagine believing there's rule of law in California. Yeah, we're going to talk about the gentleman who dispersed their version of street justice in California because, my goodness, my goodness. Here we go. Here is a rare look at the smuggling operations on the Mexico side from NACO, Arizona. The smugglers wait until the coast is clear. No agents in sight. Then they send person after person over the wall like an assembly line. The wall is on U.S. soil, but agents say that they can only take action against the smugglers if they're threatened. Otherwise, they just have to react and go after the migrants once they cross. 
what are we doing at our southern border? Why did we make it this way? How did we make it so easy for people to get smuggled into the United States? This is just ridiculous fuel for human trafficking and for sex trafficking. This is insanely awful. And then once these people are here, they might owe the cartel a lot of money, which means they're going to be working hand in glove with the cartel for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You don't know how long it's going to take them to save up money to pay back for their crossing. It costs money to get across the border when you get the protection of the cartel. If these migrants aren't caught, they will contribute to the Godaway count. Sources tell me 638,000 plus people have successfully evaded law enforcement at our southern border this fiscal year to date since October 1st. <sighs> yeah. Larry says cheap labor to mow lawns. Yeah, it's not worth it when it comes with the cartel on their heels. I don't like that. And Massachusetts is even seeing the fallout from this. Massachusetts is a long way from the southern border. I don't know if you guys recall the Martha's Vineyard, es Martha's Vineyard escapades from earlier this year. But the Massachusetts governor has just declared the state of emergency due to the surge of migrants calling for federal action. This is Mara Healy, who won election whenever their elections were and was touted very highly as the first lesbian governor in the country. Whatever. Enough virtue signaling. Let's actually make some positive policy changes. Massachusetts Governor Mara Healey on Tuesday declared a state of emergency in the liberal state over a surge of migrants that she says have left social services overwhelmed. And she called for more funding and help from the federal government. Maybe, Mara, you should take serious issue with a man who allowed this to happening happen in the first place. Larry says, hey, I can fix the border. Close it. Yes. Well, here's the problem. So when I was in high school, we actually had an entire school year where we debated how to solve illegal immigration. And my partner, my debate partner, and I came up with the idea of comprehensive immigration reform, which really came at the issue from multiple different angles. We picked it because it was a very, very difficult to beat. You had to come up with a bunch of different pieces of evidence from all different angles to counter exactly what we were talking about. I actually did really like it as a real world application because it tackled stuff like E-Verify, which I still think is super important, which was just rolled out in Florida. And of course, people threw hissy fits over and they were they. It boggles my mind how far we've come with this stuff, because when Florida rolled out E-Verify to make sure that people are actually legal residents of the United States before hiring them so that employers themselves don't get in trouble with the state or the county or, you know, the the, the federal government. People were so furious. They said, this means that people aren't going to be able to work anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? Are you seriously arguing for illegal immigrants? And they are. And they are. And they don't care. They do not care that they are arguing in favor of illegal immigrants coming in, taking jobs that rightfully belong to Americans that need to be filled by Americans. And they will throw a fit if you threaten their right, right to do so. Healy, a Democrat, announced that a state of emergency exists due to rapid and unabating increases in the number of families with children and pregnant people. Of course, she says pregnant people because she's from Massachusetts and that's what they do there. Many of them newly arriving migrants and refugees living within the state, but without the means to secure safe shelter in our communities. You mean they're illegal and they can't get a lease because they don't have any kind of information about them to provide to people. 
no proof of income, no proof that they will continue to acquire income, no actual place of residence that they are living in now. They are illegal immigrants. And yes, that means that when you come to the United States, you run into a whole host of problems. I'm sorry that I don't view that as a bad thing. I think it should be hard if you go to another country and you attempt to take advantage of their systems. If you do that illegally, I think life should be hard. I'm sorry. Lori says it won't, they won't care until it affects them. Well, Massachusetts is starting to care, but I don't think that this is going to affect their liberal stances. I could be wrong. We'll see. I remember even when we were there, I was looking at some of the changes they were trying, thinking about and trying to make to their policies to persuade people to stay because people are fleeing the state because it's incredibly high in taxes. And they were just like, you know what? We got a really big problem. People are leaving. Young people are leaving. People don't want to pay these kinds of taxes. Absolutely crazy. They don't want to start businesses because the taxes is, the taxes are just too heavy. It's insane. I was looking at that and I was like, that's actually pretty smart. So if they can step away from things like saying, oh, I don't know, pregnant people, maybe they'll actually make some progress. But I don't see that happening. Unfortunately, my parents even used to refer to Massachusetts as the People's Republic of Massachusetts. And I see that that has not changed over the past 15 or 20 years. The state says there are nearly 5,600 families or more than 20,000 people in the state shelter system. Healy... Healy said that there are numerous contributing factors, including federal policies on immigration and work authorization. Yeah, that would be your party's fault, darling, as well as a lack of affordable housing and the end of COVID era programs. Yes, again, your party's fault. Sorry. Massachusetts is the latest liberal jurisdiction to call for help from the federal government due to the surge of migrants, despite not being anywhere near the besieged southern border. New York City, Chicago, and the state of New York have all made emergency declarations this year and called for help in response to a migrant wave. Yep. While the numbers have only been a small percentage of the hundreds of thousands of migrants that hit the border each month, those areas have declared themselves overwhelmed and at capacity as migrants arrive. It's hard to tell if they actually are at capacity or if this is just such a new phenomenon to them. I wish that they would take a moment to introspect and be like, holy cow, I wonder what it's actually like at the southern border of the U.S. Because Julio has been there, right? He's down there literally in the Rio Grande. And so are a bunch of other guys who used to come on TimCast all the time, which I truly respect and appreciate. That's wonderful work they're doing. Absolutely necessary. Um, Why can't I ever remember their names? It's terrible. She also blamed a confusing tangle of immigration laws and inability for migrants to obtain work authorization from the federal government, increase in the number of people coming to Massachusetts, and the lack of an affordable housing supply in our state. Yes, I will, I will agree that there is a very confusing tangle of laws around immigration. That was one of the things that I proposed with my comprehensive immigration reform approach when I was in high school and we were talking about illegal immigration. It's absolutely important to untangle some of those laws and make it more straightforward. It doesn't have to be easier. It needs to be more from straightforward. Hi from Maui, Hawaii. Stay safe down there, dude. Don't get caught on fire. I saw people jumping in the water because there's this huge fire raging down there. That's crazy. Well, you know what else I heard on the topic of Maui and fire? Um, there have actually been some earthquakes around Yellowstone. So it's the end of the world as we know it. We're all going to die tomorrow because as we all know, Yellowstone is the big one. If it hits us, we're, we're all gone. Mayorkas has echoed many of these calls himself with the administration as a whole repeatedly calling on Congress to provide additional funding as requested at the border. 
The administration has urged passage of an immigration reform bill that was introduced on President Biden's first day in office. But such calls for funding and immigration reform have met with opposition from Republicans and others. Republicans have balked at the inclusion of a mass amnesty. Yeah, I wonder why they balked at this. Because Republicans would love to fix this problem because the states at the border are, by and large, Republican states. This would make a difference to them. But they want mass amnesty for millions of illegal migrants included in the 2021 proposal. Instead, they want to see asylum loopholes closed and more border security with House Republicans introducing and passing sweeping legislation earlier this year. Meanwhile, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema uh, said last week she was livid that the New York City was receiving federal funding to deal with migrants instead of states at the border. Yeah, I would be too. She's from Arizona. She sees this stuff firsthand. I have family down in Arizona. I'm sure they see this stuff too. Whisper and uh, Unhile Snipes are also down there. Absolutely ridiculous setup with the border and nobody seems to care in the federal government because it doesn't affect them. That's over there. We're over here. We're nice and safe in our swamp. You're okay over there in your desert. You'll probably be fine. And also, we don't really care if you end up not being fine in any case because, you know, whatever. You probably voted Republican anyway, right? Absolutely ridiculous to me. But here we are. That is the absolute state of Massachusetts. But I kind of feel like we knew that already. All right. This is super interesting, and I'm not quite sure how to parse this. I wasn't sure how to title tonight's talk because I wanted to lead with this, but it's a little confusing. So let's get into this. Special counsel Jack Smith got a secret search warrant for Trump's Twitter account. What? (laughs) Smith's office obtained the warrant to scour Trump's Twitter account in January. Elon Musk's company took three days to respond and were fined $350,000, I believe, as the direct result. Trump lashed out at the news and claimed Joe Biden was behind the warrant. All right, let's let's get into this. Let's unpack this. Special counsel Jack Smith obtained a secret uh, search warrant in January to scour President Donald J. Trump's Twitter account to dig for evidence of criminal offenses. New court filings reveal. Holy cow. A judge then fined Elon Musk's social media giant 350000 for initially refusing to comply, according to documents released Wednesday. The company was also barred from telling Trump about the warrant. Wow. The former president accused Joe Biden of being behind the order and claimed my political opponent is going crazy trying to infringe on my campaign for president. The White House repeatedly has said that the Justice Department is an independent agency and has refused to comment on various legal charges that Trump faces. Twitter, now called X, whatever, didn't respond to a three-day deadline to turn over documents, so they were held in contempt by a federal court in Washington. The search warrant was kept secret until now, and it's not clear what documents were handed over and whether they contributed to the 2020 election indictment. I can't help thinking this guy looks like Jesse Kelly. Am I the only one who thinks that? He looks like, uh, let me me show you guys Jesse Kelly. If you guys aren't familiar with him. Very tall, very gangly gentleman. So he follows me, I follow him. Yeah, I'm not crazy. That's wild. Check it out. That's nuts. So there's Jesse and there's Jack. Dun, dun, dun. They're the same person. Have they ever been seen in the same room together? They have not. I need to give Jesse a hard time over that. Trump took to his true social account to respond to the revelation of the warrant. Just found out that crooked Joe Biden's DOJ secretly attacked my Twitter account, making it a point not to let me know about this major hit on my civil rights. My political opponent is going crazy trying to infringe on my campaign for president. Nothing like this has ever happened before. I think he's right about that. Does the First Amendment still exist? Did deranged Jack Smith tell the unselects to destroy and delete all evidence? These are dark days in America, he wrote. 
Trump was given a permanent Twitter ban in January 2021 after the Capitol riot. Musk has since reinstated his account, but he still hasn't posted. And his last message on January 8th, 2021, to all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. The details of the search warrant were included in a decision from a Washington Federal's appeal court, Federal Appeals Court rejecting Twitter's claim that a lower court judge was wrong to hold the company in contempt and imposing the sanction. The filing says Smith obtained a search warrant directing Twitter to produce data and records related to Trump's Twitter account. So, because I'm not a legal analyst, I really want to know. In fact, let's see if Will Chamberlain has talked about this at all. I appreciate Will. He's one of my lawyerly friends. I love his wife and his little daughter. So cute. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> yeah, so he's talking about DeSantis suspending a Soros back to DA. Yeah. All right. So he's been talking about DeSantis quite a bit lately. Right. Well, it doesn't look like he has talked about... interesting yeah okay he's mostly been focused on that prosecutor i also wanted to talk about that i don't know it's not as important but i just thought it was super interesting desantis is suspending yet another soros-backed prosecutor just like he did in august of 2022 good for him again little talk more action i love it very much but we'll see what comes of that all right well thanks for nothing will the government also got a non-disclosure agreement prohibiting Twitter from disclosing the search warrant. Prosecutors feared that if Trump learned that about the warrant, it would seriously jeopardize the ongoing investigation by giving him an opportunity to destroy evidence, change patterns of behavior, or notify Confederates according to the court papers. The filing says the court found probable cause to search the Twitter account for evidence of criminal offense. This is BS. Absolutely BS. This is crazy to me. If I... Absolutely, I'm on the same page as Trump, um, as Trump with this one because, holy cow, the First Amendment is just absolutely dead on arrival. Crazy to me. Larry says it wasn't a special election and I would like to see your source for free bus tickets. All right, so what are we talking about up here? Greg says it does affect them. It gives states a higher population, which in the long run gives them more electoral votes. Exactly. And that's exactly what I realized when it first dawned on me why Democrats were okay with illegal immigration in the first place. That's exactly why. They believe they can convince them to vote for them, and they believe by adjusting the um, electoral count of these states, it will be in their favor in the long run, and I ha they have yet to be proven wrong, unfortunately. If we transfer the funds going to housing illegal immigrants to housing homeless veterans, who would win the election? I don't know. That's a very good question. Um, I will say about homelessness, I'm not sure about homeless veterans specifically, but in general, people who are homeless have a vast swath of reasons for their homelessness, and not all of them are just, oh, I actually can't, just can't afford a house. A lot of them are things like addiction. There are things like, I don't want to have a house. I want to live on the street. Um, I would rather have the state or the city provide for me. I'm just not interested in being a contributing member of society. Um, and I really don't love that mindset, but, you know, what can you do? You can't force someone to stay housed. can't force any of that stuff. Oh, I'm down from the fires in Maui. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. Let's talk about that alleged thief in that viral 7-Eleven beatdown. 
He's been arrested and connected to other crimes in the area. Shocking. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this video. Let me see if I can play this without sound. It was a crazy video. Yeah, it's a little bit distressing. We'll watch the first part. We'll watch what he was doing, and then we'll watch how they responded. So he comes in here, and he's got a rolling garbage ba- uh, rolling garbage can, right? Yep, see? Trash bag. He's filling it up with cigarettes. Okay, cool. Brazen doesn't begin to describe this. He's literally just, like, shopping with a balaclava on. And he's like, I'm getting away with this. It's going to be great. No one's going to stop me. And they're like, oh, no, actually, we are going to stop you with prejudice. Holy cow. I won't make you guys watch that. The man seen getting clobbered by employees while attempting to rob a California 7-Eleven was arrested and connected to a string of crimes in the area, including true previous robberies at the store seen in the viral video of his beatdown. Good. I'm glad he got caught. And a little part of me is very glad that he got this beatdown because this needs to start somewhere. Now, did they need to take it as far as they did? I don't know. I'm not going to be the judge and jury on that one at all. But at the same time, Andy and I were commiserating and thinking that, yes, this needs to start somewhere. And he needed to be the person with whom it was going to start. Tyrone Frazier, 42, was picked up Monday night after police found him at the scene of a vandalism incident just blocks from 7-Eleven where he was filmed during the attempted robbery gone awry in the early hours July 29th. In that video, he can be seen shoveling packs of cigarettes into a 20-gallon trash can before a pair of store clerks sprang into action and fought back. Frazier was tackled and held to the ground by one employee while the other charged at him with what appeared to be a wooden broom handle and beat him about the feet, legs, and behind. So, didn't go for the head, didn't go for the torso, literally just gave him what was effectively a spanking. Um, and he was. <laughs> That's called whooping yo a. A man filming the encounter yelled as the blows rained down on Frazier, who finally cried, okay, I'm done, before the beatdown let up. So it didn't end with blood, probably just with bruising, somebody who really should not have been doing what he did. But this employee, as you can see from this picture, this guy is a Sikh. So this is probably the owner of the store who is doing the actual beatdown. So let's see what's going to happen to them because I feel like this form of actual justice won't be viewed properly by the justice in California. Frazier was heard threatening to shoot the employees while reaching for an object in his back pocket before they took him down. Yeah, he's literally threatening them, threatening their lives, and I don't at all blame them for taking action and taking things into their own hands. Where were the police? There was no one to help them. And the fact of the matter is that you know in these parts of California, when you call for the cops, it's going to take them an hour to get there. They have other stuff to do. They're defunded. They're overworked. He fled the 7-Eleven before police arrived, but authorities encountered him later that night when they responded to reports of a man complaining about leg pain from being beaten by a stick but wouldn't reveal how it happened. I wonder how that happened. Frazier wasn't arrested at the time because responding officers weren't aware of the incident at the 7-Eleven. Interesting. Once footage of the 7-Eleven robbery began to go viral online, police connected Frazier to the incident and later arrested him when he was found at the scene of the Monday vandalism call. So, far from setting this man on the straight and narrow, the beating did nothing but make him more more passionate about his crimes. So, um, it turns out that this wasn't even enough, unfortunately. And it was pretty pretty brutal, pretty graphic. But again, they didn't go for his head. They didn't go for his torso. They weren't trying to puncture his lungs or anything. Good for them. Once footage of the 7-Eleven robbery began to go viral. Right, right, right. We read that already. The 7-Eleven employees reported their response to the Fraser robbery, robbing and threatening them was the culmination of two days of his harassing their store. 
On July 28th, around 3.40 a.m., he allegedly threatened to shoot employees before going around the corner to snag a handful of cigarette packets before taking off. Then around 12.27 a.m. on July 29th, he entered again with more threats to shoot the store up, but when employees refused to comply, he grabbed some food and left again. Police say Frazier was associated with a third robbery in the area that hadn't been reported, though it is unclear if it was at the 7-Eleven. The store clerks were initially the subject of an investigation for assault charges, but the local district attorney announced Tuesday the inquiry had been dropped. Good. Good. They have to know that they can't control this crime, and it might actually be in their interest to tell citizens that they have a little more leeway to defend themselves than they did it before. But let me know what you guys think about this. I personally felt very vindicated to see this happen. I was very proud of these gentlemen. They, I felt like, took the right steps when it came to protecting their property and their store. Greg, thank you for your super chat, but Hillary Clinton can destroy evidence with no trial. That's right. Remember? Totally two-tiered justice system. We know it. Problem is that blue city DAs will charge store owners. No! No, Kanye Ron, that's not what happened here. Those charges were dropped. And the DA was like, yeah, we're not going to inquire into this. We just don't care what happens. And in fact, I hope that they change... I hope they change the local rules to make it so that people have more leeway to defend themselves. That's the only proper approach to this because if the cops can't get there in time, people still need the option to be able to uh, to handle it. James says the dude is lucky. He seeks carry a blade as a saint soldier. Interesting. They weren't trying to injure him. If they were, they would have stabbed him instead of slashed him with a stick. Yes, I agree. Looks like the stick-wielding store owner was pulling his punches, too. He didn't appear to be the, to, to be hitting him with a full brunt of what the stick was capable of. That thief got off light. Yes, he did. But, again, it didn't really teach him the correct lesson that we need, unfortunately. Whisper says, haha, the stick, yes. The broom handle, they just grabbed what was there. They did, and good for them, honestly. Um, let me see. I think the, the, the charges being, the inquiry being dropped... In the store owners, store owner seven. Oh my gosh. Let's see if there's any more news about that. Yeah. Okay. So the most recent news is no charges for the Stockton 7-Eleven workers in the viral beatdown of alleged robber. That's good. Yeah, so at the time they were probing them for assault and then they decided, no, this is actually probably better that private citizens can handle this. And it will never fail to amaze me how quickly in California they've forgotten. Because California, remember, used to be a part of the wild, wild west during the gold rush. Things were crazy over there. But they've forgotten how important self-defense is. It doesn't really seem to matter to them anymore. They've lived this really cushy this really nice, luxurious lifestyle. California is one of the most rich, rich places in the world with the nicest stuff. And they've been very, very insulated from the fall that falls into the real world. Well, now it's coming back to them and they're having a little bit of trouble dealing with the fact that, oh, maybe they should actually be able to defend themselves. So maybe this will come back. We'll have to see. All right. Coffee sip. Now we're going to talk about someone we've never talked about before. Lady Gaga's dad. He is doing some interesting stuff, and I probably should have lumped this in with the immigration stuff, but let's just talk about it now. Lady Gaga's dad rallies New York City neighbors to, in a fight to manage unruly migrants at a hotel. They basically taken open, so taken over. So I, I, yeah, this kind of this kind of goes alongside the Seven uh, Eleven store owner taking justice into his own hands. I think that that's fair to say. 
I think that when regular citizens step up and take responsibility for what's going on in their neighborhoods, I view that as a net positive. Now, we'll see if it's sustainable in the long term. I know that can be kind of hard to manage, make sure that that justice is actually being delivered properly. I don't know. But let's see what Lady Gaga's dad is doing. He is leading the charge against unruly migrants living near his Upper West Side home and restaurant, griping that they're flooding the ritzy neighborhood with a constant stream of hookers and other bad behavior. Yeah. If it was like this when my girls were growing up, I wouldn't be living in New York, said Joe Germanata, 66, who is compiling a list of local residents' concerns to take the lawmakers, the NYPD, and homeless services in protest. Germanata has lived in the Pythian building on West 70th Street for 35 years. It's where he raised his two daughters, including the Born This Way singer, Stephanie Germanata, also known as Lady Gaga. He also opened up a restaurant in the community in 2012. Beautiful. Joanne Trattoria. About six weeks ago, the city quietly and quickly transformed the Stratford Arms Hotel, a residence half the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, uh, uh, a residence hall, sorry, for the American Musical and Dramatic Academy down the block from German Otis House into a shelter for hundreds of migrants. Wow. It was a stealth operation. They were bussed in in the middle of the night, like when they flew them into Westchester. They didn't want anyone to see what they what was going on. Germanata told the Post at his West 68th Street restaurant, Joanne Trattoria. It was all pretty rapid. Since the arrival of the migrants, the restaurateur said the quality of life in the area has taken a hit. With impromptu block parties outside the hotel that last until the early morning, prostitution, kids getting catcalled on reckless e-bikes, and motor scooter drivers wreaking havoc on one-way streets. It's not, there's now 500 migrants living in that dormitory. That's when all the mayhem began. No kidding. Residents from Germanotta's building, of which he is the board president, and three neighboring addresses have since formed the West 70th Street uh, Association to lobby City Hall for more policing and better supervision of the migrants. Yeah, if you're going to bring them into this part of the city, why are you not supervising them and making sure that they are following the law? What is actually wrong with these people? I I feel bad for these business owners. I really do. It sounds like this is a super responsible member of the community. He's on the mem- he's on the board at his um, building, and he's joining up with other neighbors in the area to kind of talk to city officials. Now, are they actually going to do anything, or are they going to do what the officials in Oakland did to those leading members of the NAACP, which is just basically to accuse them of racism and dismiss them out of hand? Jeez. Uh, LOL, uh, LOL Copter says this podcast is actually perfect at 1.25 times. I am here to tell you that every podcast is perfect at 1.2 or 1.25 times. And with Google Podcasts, you can actually cut the silence out and make it go even faster. There's your pro tip for the evening. This is also a good point to tell you guys that every night after the show, I also put up the audio only version of this show on Spotify. So it should show up everywhere. So if you don't have a chance to see me, you can listen to me and kind of catch up on the news stories that most other people aren't really talking about, like this one about Lady Gaga's dad. The worst part's at night. The noise it starts about 10 o'clock and it'll go until four in the morning, playing music and racing their motocross and motorbikes up and down the streets. Germanota 66 says girls as young as 14 are getting catcalled and residents verbally abused. Now some people won't even walk their dogs by areas where migrants have been hanging outside. I don't mind having them there. They're going to be there for three years. That was the contract I understand, but at least manage it. Put up proper security in place, have a police presence and a code of conduct. Yeah, they're guests in our neighborhood and they have basically taken over. Yeah, not cool. 
Larry says, I don't feel one bit bad about these people. They bought the ticket. Let him crash. Well, see, he's lived there for 35 years, so it's possible he's died in the world Democrat. But I really have no way of knowing. It's possible that he's just an old school New Yorker who's kind of caught off guard by all of these changes. Now, he might have just been voting D down the ticket for a really long time with the assumption that they were like union friendly and all this other stuff that they used to be. And now that they've changed, not really realizing what this would mean for his his business and for his neighborhood. I'm glad that he's waking up to it, though. I honestly almost always feel like this kind of thing is a red pill for people because, like, I can't help feeling that the NAACP leaders in Oakland were really seriously red-pilled by what's happened in their own neighborhood and by what their own city leaders said to them when they brought it up to them as a serious issue. Like, that's a, that's a really big deal. Sidewalks that used to be mostly clean are now filled with trash. He was particularly troubled when he started seeing hypodermic needles. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, let's see. He said the group wants to see a written plan with target states and objectives outlining how order is going to be restored to the affluent neighborhood. Yeah, that's hard. When you've lived in a neighborhood for almost 40 years and you've seen it go from dirt floor poor, probably, to relatively affluent, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool development, right? You're probably really proud of your neighborhood and really proud of how far it's come. And then to see it turned around like this just overnight because the city will not take the appropriate responsible steps, I'd be pretty mad too. I don't know about you guys. I don't think it's fair to say that everyone in New York City deserves this kind of thing. I think that everyone deserves to have a peaceful life. I think they deserve to have first world standards of living. Now, if they vote against their best interests, it does become hard to feel sympathetic for them. But, you know, it is what it is. These things happen. People have to learn from firsthand experience sometimes before they can handle it. Keenan says, take another look look at the new union hires, new arrivals. Not sure what you're referring to. Larry says, and that is on him. Educate yourself. Yeah, I agree. But again, as I said, sometimes people don't recognize there's a problem until it's smacking them in the face. And unfortunately, that's a built-in part of human nature that I don't really think you can argue with. But Oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, today has been a great conversation. Thank you guys all so much for sitting to chat with me. We started with this one about the special counsel, Jack Smith, and his secret search warrant for Trump's Twitter account. That was pretty crazy. Do you guys think that anything's going to happen to Jack Smith because of this? Because I certainly don't. We can speculate, though, and we can hope. We can cross our fingers and pretend that we don't have a two-tiered justice system. But at the end of the day, I'm afraid that because it's part of joe biden's administration nothing's ever going to happen who knows we'll see we'll see what happens again though not holding my breath all right you guys i'm gonna let you go i'm gonna go to bed i am dead i'm dying i'm dead etc i will see you guys tomorrow dot will see you as well andy says hit the like button larry says thank you spl absolutely username says thank you for the show Anytime, guys, every weeknight up until I give birth, I hope, unless I can't make it through a show, in which case I'll just probably lie down on the floor by dot and you guys can have a live stream of the fan blowing the curtains. It's very exciting. Andy says, comment. Oh, Keenan says, how do I know what I know? Snowpiercer, someone has to lead from the, uh, to lead the back of the train. Are you talking about Snow Crash? Because I think that's a book that Andy really likes. Interesting. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback. Remember what we say. Stay safe. Stay well, stay out of target. Until next time.